I decided to make my research project as a recommendation system of clots. So Verify is virtual fitting room in 3D. At that time in my community, the top level of programmers were in backend part doing C++, Java, and nobody was talking about AI and the functionality which it can bring. Hello everyone and welcome to the EVN Disrupt podcast. Our guest this week is Gagine Martigosian, the founder and CEO of Verify. She joins us to discuss her startup's vision for helping online consumers try and close virtually before buying them. Gagine shared with us how Verify builds 3D avatars with their users so that they can see how clothes look on them while shopping online, just as they would in a real store. We also spoke about the role that 3D avatars will take on in the coming years as digital environments become increasingly used for a variety of use cases. Lastly, Gagina shared with us her thoughts on how to decentralize tech in Armenia and promote greater activity outside of Yerevan. Thank you for listening. Gagina, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Let's start with a little bit of your background. Um, tell us where you grew up and how you got started in the world of tech. Oh, I grew up in Bonadur and I started, I think I started tech career maybe from my school years. Uh, I was studying in Vanadzor's uh, FISMAT school, so there were a lot of Olympiads in maths and physics, and we were coming here in this FISMAT school to different workshops and classes. And after that, I understand that I have some inclination to mathematics and the technical side. But also at the same time, I have some skills on drawing and designing and it was really hard for me to choose the path of going to computer science and to leave the design part as a hobby but yeah i did i did yes. that and after that i started with university mm-hmm. uh, studying in computer science and applied mathematics in in vanadzor um is there a tumor there now even or yeah they we hope they will open okay so uh, there wasn't one when you were growing up yes there were uh, they were starting some armat labs and uh, fortunately my mother was uh, one of the first uh, people who were uh, like trying to integrate these armat labs in uh, armenia and they mm-hmm. opened in vanadzor one lab and uh, i was wondering like all these materials they they had and like there were some scratch games some turtle games and yeah. i were starting to explore with her <laughs> all this stuff with robotics and then after that i understand that i really love this path and i will continue my yeah. career in this another thing that's really interesting is um a really common thread amongst the guests on our podcast so far has been <laughs> that they're fismath graduates yeah um, you're the first from vanazar's fismath but uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but maybe something like half of uh, our grads are from Fismat uh, School. From Fismat School, yeah. Yeah, fortunately, <laughs> really we know each other a lot yeah. because we were all in the same Olympiads, and yeah. I have so much friends. And uh, sometimes, also when we develop something, we also consultate with each other a yeah. lot. So yeah. it's a good community to have yeah. around you. Yeah, I need to call the principal uh, one day for a podcast to understand what they're doing at Fismat schools that create so many tech entrepreneurs in Armenia. And then, okay, so then you went off to university to study computer science. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- where did you study? I studied in uh, Lomonosov Moscow State University. Uh, it was branch in Armenia. They were open it uh, first time here. 
And we have uh, professor who were com- professors who are coming from Moscow, but also we have some programs so we can go there uh, and study some, um, have some practices. Uh, but overall, uh, I started to learn more mathematics because in Moscow State University, it's base of is mathematics and after that you choose your path uh, like you co- you can go with different languages so mm. they teach you assembler and all the basic stuff and after that you also understand in which direction you will go um, so the time I were uh, studying computer science but also as I'm very passionate on fashion on designing I were developing the skills on uh, this path also so Uh, I decided to make my research project uh, as a recommendation system of clots. Mm-hmm. And I remember that uh, I was only girl graduating f- uh, from our group. <laughs> And I remember the faces of all our <laughs> men guys who were doing super f- like fancy projects in a tech wise. And I'm doing like this kind of recommendation system mm-hmm. of clots. And after the graduation uh, presentation, a lot of uh, my friends who were girls, they came to test the product. And I think that the realization moment for me to start this project is uh, I see that there is a huge potential and there is a product need more than in a technical side, because the first thing prototype which I met, it was like C-sharp desktop app mm-hmm. in a computer uh, and there were no super like superficial things like AI and so on. It was basically based on algorithms. And then I see that this product is needed from the community and then decided to go deeper and explore it more. Yeah. And then from there you went on to, to AUA? Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Not immediately. Uh, at that time I also started to work in Tumo and Here in yes and i think it's it was a good um, base and uh starting point for me in a workspace because i what i love in tumo is that you can explore so many things you can learn so many things and mm. uh, also there is a, a huge community there Uh, starting from lo- workshop leaders, from coaches, from mm-hmm. students, because there were so many amazing students. And for example, one of our team members, Nazali, I know her from that. And mm-hmm. we were exploring some AI lab uh, in two more years. And first I uh, learned about AI and the stuff because we have some French guys who came to Tumo. They were teaching some uh, AI stuff in like to understand manuscripts, mm-hmm. <laughs> Armenian, which was so rare in that time and what year was this uh i think it was 2019 okay. yeah. yeah i know that there were crease but yeah. <laughs> all ai stuff compared to today it's not yes, though, yeah. yeah but at that time in my community like the top level of uh, programmers were in backend part like doing c plus plus java and nobody was like talking about ai and the functionality which it can bring Mm -hmm. so the first point when i uh, were introduced to ai (laughs) it was in that lab and i at that time i also approached nazali because she's very super talented Mm -hmm. and i were coach and she were student and we started to uh like realize what kind of projects we can build with AI mm-hmm. and to develop this idea in yeah. that direction. What made you want to um, enter the world of entrepreneurship? Like you, at this point, you were uh, you had graduated. You're mm-hmm. an engineer. 
um, you're in Armenia at the time, even now, I mean, it was, a, it was an engineer's market. People could get really good jobs yeah. as engineers. What makes you want to go and, and, uh, and start a, start a venture mm. that is in some ways taking you, um, to a slightly different role? I mean, every, as a founder, you're still an engineer, but, um, you're now entering the world of, of business, business and like having to create a company and build teams and things of that nature. What was attractive about it? Um, I will not say that it was super attractive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at that time, I think the most important thing was idea and the thing how much possibility you can mm -hmm. have and how much opportunity you have at that time. Because I truly believe that in this time, a lot of founders have in Armenia a lot of opportunities, a lot of network and knowledge they can take. And uh, it was also hard to convince parents that I will not go to work in Pixar and I will like continue to yeah, do yeah. my <laughs> company. And uh, it was super hard point also to explain uh, people around you that what you're doing. And at some point, you don't even understand where are you going. Yeah. But uh, I decided to explore also in the business side, and that's why I decided to go to American University to do my management degree. But uh, I will say that uh, path of entrepreneur is a lot of uh, self-learning and the research process. And for example, when we hire or uh, we invite some team member, we also say that it's kind of, you know, it's a self-learning, you need to do a good research because we're building something that maybe now exists in some companies, but uh, at the next step, we want to have uh, this unique tech and mm -hmm. uh, opportunity. So I think this was the main point of idea. And then it goes to understanding what it really is. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk about um, Wearify uh, mm -hmm. and uh, the founding story, but tell us um, what it is you guys are doing and how you got started. So Wearify is virtual fitting room uh, in 3D. Uh, we work with brands and we integrate some button of try-on so uh, their brand shoppers can go to product page, uh, click that button and see how the clothes will fit them on their 3D avatars. Uh, so this is something I was dreaming <laughs> and <laughs> how we started, basically we started with uh, another point of uh, like very uh, common problem of shoppers, uh, like don't know what to wear, uh, don't know what size to choose. And we started with like styling app and more recommendation, uh, size recommendation, uh, mobile application. And uh, at the time we had around 5,000 users, but also we started to develop this kind of 3D technology of virtual fitting room. And we were like mostly starting to uh, have some connections with brands and we see their problems with the return rates. Also, uh, there are some technologies which can uh, boost their conversion rates. So we understand that there is a huge potential and B2B market has the money. Right. <laughs> yes. So we decided to switch our direction and build this technology basically for uh, B2B brands and mm -hmm. online shops. So the online shop comes to you, um, they purchase your, uh, your solution mm -hmm. and that solution sits on their website. And when a shopper wants to go there, how do they engage with the, the yeah. virtual fitting? So for example, you saw some jacket, you go to the product page, there is a some 
tiny button there, uh, like find your size or try on. Mm -hmm. So they click on that. Uh, they enter some parameters, for example, like gender, height, weight, and so on. Uh, and that time we create some mannequin with already existing parameters, which they uh, already input it. But if they want to go deeper and to have the scan of their 3D avatar, we uh, provide them QR code mm -hmm. so they can scan the QR, open the camera in the mobile, uh, take this one video and create their 3D avatar. So also they can also like see the clothes, uh, not only on mannequin, but also on their 3D avatar. Right. Yeah, and it's it's a one-time thing. So if they do one time, we can also like do the parameters change hmm. uh, on the way. But so um, do, do you mean like if I uh, let's say there's store A, mm -hmm. um, I go there and I do the scan. Mm -hmm. um, if store B also uses your solution, um, I can use my same scan on their uh, platform, on their uh, store. Uh your own scan. Uh, so. Do you mean like if you do did the scan with our uh, help? Y yes. If yes, yeah. you can use. If no, there are a lot of uh, I will say scanning apps who are this where is really growing fast, and we are comparing our technology with the scanner apps uh, and. But there are a lot of different points and how this can, uh, which we take, will be ready for fitting of clothes. Mm -hmm. And we cover all these steps uh, right. around that. Right. And that's why it's it will be hard to take another scan from another app. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I meant from your app. So like, because um, the, the, if the solution lives on the store's website, mm -hmm. um, but if another website is using mm -hmm. uh, you guys as well, I can, the same scan I did for story, I can use for, for story B. Right. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, how do you do the, is the scan uh, done through, um, are you guys using the AR or is it like an AI generated thing or how are you guys? Um, so the base is photogrammetry. Okay. Uh, what, he, what we do, so the person stands alone and we take one video around him. And after that, we get all this video and photos and we put it uh, like each other uh, around that. So technology works like this. Mm -hmm. I try to explain as simple as possible. <laughs> but uh, basically what we use, uh, there are a lot of different things how we can turn this photogrammetry to 3D model. Uh, the first thing which we use, it's mo mostly based on NVIDIA models. Uh, there is some nerf. Uh, if you're familiar with that, but in these like three months, we also s uh, see some Gaussian splatting is uh, trending and different technologies. So we try to test as much as possible. So we will be on the highest level of 3D scanning. And we understand that this scan, it, if it will be highly realistic, uh, the people will use that. Right. But if not, uh, there is some point of avatars, how it's familiar with you and how it's animated. And uh, there is a some point, for example, like Sophia, uh, the robot, it's like... It's a humanoid, but right. it scares people because yeah. it's not exactly a human type. Yeah. And there is a really uh, scary thing if you will not give uh, the user the experience of it is you, uh, they will scare and they will not use the avatars. 
So like the user is not very forgiving, you're saying. Like, yes. Yeah. So it has to be either really accurate or... Yeah, or either not, like, either animated, because in this time there are some gamification uh, apps uh, like Ready Play Me. They also create avatars, but they are more like cartoonish. Uh, so there is another direction, but now I see the like how the potential will grow. For example, Meta is also developing this higher realistic avatar technology because uh, this interaction will be a key. And uh, when you will have your high realistic avatar, mm -hmm. at that point you will interact in any space. So right. we are pointing on this direction and we put our the most research which we do on a tech side with this 3D right. technology. Right. Which platform would you say right now has the most human realistic photorealistic uh avatars avatars because with the stuff um, i've seen from meta it's still very cartoony right um not so when i saw the demo of meta they did it two months ago okay. uh, of the avatars uh i saw only the demo not the only how it works it was super realistic mm. And I think they work on that. And if already released the demo, uh, they will try to integrate it mm -hmm. uh, on some different platforms. Uh, there are some scanning apps like Polycom, Luma AI, which are scanning good, mm -hmm. but they're not supposed to have these avatars for integrating in different technologies. So they're only, yeah. Right. So you can scan this cup, this, I don't know, this right. microphone. Right. Uh, but not uh, it's supposed to be for avatars. Basically, we want to take this technology and uh, put in avatars and also in the fashion sector. Right. Because right. in this part of creating avatars, to make this avatar fitting ready, it's a, a whole different aspect and whole different tech uh, problem mm -hmm. which we solve. And now we are also concentrating on the things which we which the world doesn't have. So if we see that there is a, like, for example, nerve technology in NVIDIA, we can use and build on them and we can cover the middle part, which nobody's doing. So we are uh, concentrating on this middle part to cover that. And then we will have researches, uh, uh, like resources to mm -hmm. have these research people and also uh, a lot of GPUs. <laughs> we will start also, out. yeah. yeah. <laughs> doing yeah. on the part of uh, which already uh, bigger uh, right. players are doing. That's really interesting. One, I didn't realize that um, like maybe in the near future, everybody having a digital, a realistic digital mm -hmm. avatar will be something you use across multiple platforms or multiple different use cases. Mm -hmm. And secondly, as you were explaining it, I didn't, I didn't appreciate well enough how intricate like close fitting would be. So for example, mm -hmm. Um, like I, I want you to expand on it, but like, I'm just thinking like the way something sits on your shoulder or, um, the way it like fits around your calf on your leg, something as, as detailed as that is something that you guys have to think about. Whereas for meta, it's probably far mm -hmm. less important because it's just an avatar in some VR space. Right? Yes. No one's looking at the caps. Uh, right? I agree with the point that the realistic avatars will be everywhere and even uh, I will not put our research uh, resources on that part because I know that bigger brands also working on that part but the fitting process and how clothes will fit it's really a thing that we are working on and uh, how it's done we take 3D models from brands and these 3D models uh, like 
bigger brands already de developed 3D model of clothes on their pre-manufacturing process. Mm -hmm. And for example, we were spe speaking with urban outfitters. They were saying, okay, we have this pre-manufacturing 3D models. We need to a little bit polish them mm -hmm. and we will have this ready for the website to put on and try on. Mm. And for the technology fitting, what it does, so it takes all your parameters and the 3D avatar. And also there is a, some fitting process with the physics, with the material, yeah. how it's made. And we provide also like a fit map so you can understand it fits you loosely in this part. It mm. is tightly so you can understand the size difference. Yeah. And this is the thing which differentiate from AR part because... Uh, also, we had another <laughs> interesting call with uh, VP engineering of Farfetch, and they also tried to implement AR uh, startup. Uh, and the insights which he gave us, it was that AR works good on accessories, like, uh, uh, for example, glasses, shoes, uh, but it doesn't make any sense on clothes because it's like some gamification thing. You understand, it's cool, it can boost uh, a little bit conversion rate, but the real problem of return rate and understanding how the clothes will fit, it doesn't solve. Right. It's just a standard yeah. how you look in this thing instead of mm -hmm. the really minor details of it, yeah. So this clothes part is really missing and uh, a lot of brands also in-house starting to develop uh, some kind of technology. Right. That's really interesting. And when you guys are building the model on which the clothes will sit mm -hmm. in the virtual fitting room, um, are there detail points on the body that you guys are even focusing on at that level? Like, like I said, shoulders or something. Um, so what we do first, we do like rigging part, we give the model some base and we understand the points, like where is the shoulders, mm. where is the, like, for example, legs, because it's another different uh, problem. Right. Uh, and after that, when we have all these points on the avatars, we can exactly fit uh, the clothes on model. Mm -hmm. And uh, differentiation part is uh, understanding of size of clothes, uh, because uh, we need different size of uh, clothes from the brand part. Uh, so if it will not fit the man, we will show that, okay, this is not your size. Mm -hmm. And you will see that it doesn't fit or it fits really tightly to you. Mm -hmm. So we make this uh, physics part also with the materials and the size from the brands which we take clothes and also make it super realistic for understanding how it will fit in Avatar. Right. How many stores are using it right now? Uh, so we have now working with two brands. They're not using, uh, we are on the integration part and it took really time. And the one yeah. thing that uh, I didn't uh, considering going to B2B market is that you will have a lot of time on uh, explaining what you're doing, uh, how this will be benefit. But it, another thing is integration part and uh, also like their tech part uh, so we are on the process of this integration and mm -hmm. hopefully we will uh, have them onboarded on march mm -hmm. and then we will do our uh, i hope pre-seed round <laughs> nice. <laughs> so nice. we can scale on the uh, part uh, with brands because there is a, a lot of sales uh, going on there uh, with the cycles and mm -hmm. also we need uh, a more research part uh, um how many people are you guys now Curiosity. Now we are seven. Okay. Uh, we have four people on a tech side, uh, and 
three, including me on 3D design, business part, marketing. Mm-hmm. Everything else. <laughs> Everything else, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you said you guys hope to raise your pre-seed after you um, launch with the store in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you guys received any uh, funding or any like accelerator programs or anything yet? Uh, so we have some prizes from different competitions. It helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, we uh, applied to grant from the high tech ministry. Uh, and we have this, but it covers only like uh, technical costs. Uh, so we concentrated all this money to build the technology and to onboard first customers. Mm-hmm. And after that, for that, we will do our pre-seed round. Uh, it will mostly be concentrated on the team also and also the research uh, part which we will have right. to scale up. Right. Cool. Let's go back to the avatars uh, for a minute. Um, in, in let's say five years, um, or just the next few years, mm-hmm. I know it's hard to put a number on it. Um, will, as things like VR and stuff become more... Um, much more of an actual thing in people's lives mm-hmm. than it is because I think most people today still haven't really meaningfully engaged with VR. Like I've tried it a few times. It will but I take time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't used it for anything, like in, seriously. Um, do you think people will have a singular 3D model of themselves mm-hmm. that they use across many different platforms? Like I would upload my 3D model of myself, my avatar as you put it, into your platform, into Meta's platform, into mm-hmm. Apple's platform, and use that in the digital world? <laughs> I think, yes, in five years it will be. But in the middle part, it will be. And also, I think that Meta is uh, like wants to do that. So they want to create also the avatar part and they will try to buy different companies, right. I think, and uh, try to integrate, for example, this fitting process in fashion. They will do on some conferences part in different parts. So it's the matter of time uh, how it will grow. But at the time, we see that there are a lot of different companies trying to develop these avatars mm-hmm. and also use on Metaverse, on Omniverse and different right. platforms. Um, but meta i think their goal is to go in this direction and they will try to buy different uh, small startups or companies uh, for the future to integrate in the whole uh platform right i never thought about that that like um some uh, one of your sort of digital identifiers would be a 3d avatar that you use in in multiple places in the multiverse or whatever it's called these days um the name keeps changing Okay, uh, it's super interesting. Um, tell us about the business value of this. Uh, you mentioned things like helping conversion, mm-hmm. um, uh, lessening returns and things of that nature. Um, how do you see this driving value for businesses, for online stores? Yeah, as a starting point, so we start with small and medium brands and their business value is more boosting conversion rates. And we see that there is some interaction part and some of them said like, okay, one of my competitors already have this 3D mm-hmm. virtual fitting room, so I want to integrate it. Also, there is a some part of competition with each other. And we see this is helping a lot. Mm. So uh, we try to, uh, at the early stage, we try to sell them uh, a thing 
we'd worked with another brand because we don't have any data to show them, okay, so we did with this brand and it was this conversion rate. Mm -hmm. We show uh, another data from another brand. Uh, but for the bigger picture, uh, we want to work with uh, bigger brands and for them is uh, reducing the return rates. And this is the effect which is really, um, I can say some numbers for example if the brand is doing like 10 million arr they lose on the return rate like 1 million wow 10 percent. yeah 10 percent, wow. and it's a huge number and also we had a chance to speak with a huge manufacturer and they were interested on our size recommendation part um, of technology and they were uh, like giving us numbers how this uh behavior like what do uh, shoppers in online shopping they uh, order clothes on all different sizes mm -hmm. take the one which fits them and then return the others and this is behavior which is very popular in yeah. us in russia and in all countries when uh, like brands offer free uh, shipping <laughs> and they also tell us number how it eat into profitability of product right. so this is the thing the bigger brands uh, are working on how to solve this and for exit strategy we are not uh, aiming to go to ipo <laughs> or another thing we see that a lot of fashion tech startups uh, exit uh, with selling the company or technology to bigger brands mm -hmm. so we hope to test this model and technology with small and medium parts uh, and after that uh, we can go and sell it to <laughs> like a nike or something yeah 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 okay actually when you're saying um on the returns part like even uh, for in the armenian context uh, i think with wild berries for example you don't even pay for it um, mm. until it gets here you try it and then you try it at their store if you don't like it, you still don't pay for it. You, they just take it back. So it yeah. really disincentivizes the the customer to even care about the um, the return part, right? Because you're almost not even returning it. You haven't bought it yet until yeah. you decide you like it. Um, so I imagine it's a huge uh, sticking point for, for companies. I think this, this was the point that online brands also convinced people to buy things. Mm -hmm. Because I remember the La Moda when they came to Russian market first. Uh, so nobody were buying clothes uh, oh, online. Yeah. And they entered the market only with, uh, not only with that, but the main point was, you know, we yeah. can deliver you free. And if you don't like, you can return. Yeah. And then they started to develop these online clothes uh, buyers uh, That's behavior. That's a really interesting perspective. So that 10% is almost like a customer acquisition cost. Yeah. Yeah. And now you guys will hopefully eliminate that. Yeah. And <laughs> that they try to have this uh, little fix, uh, yeah. quick fix. Yeah. Uh, and then understand that it brings a lot of problem because yeah. it doesn't uh, solve the main problem of understanding how clothes will fit what the size will be yeah i remember maybe six or seven years ago in canada our post offices um started having changing rooms mm -hmm. because uh, a lot of people would want to order clothes online they want to try it right there and then just instead of taking it home and coming back to return it they mm. want to just return it right there in the in the um, post office, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's almost like an interesting interesting cultural moment um, where you, mm -hmm. you at that point you know that the 
online shopping was really adapted at that point. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also US is ahead on this part because they developed this free return thing mm -hmm. a lot of years ago. Yeah. But also they faced the problem a lot of years yeah. ago. <laughs> so they yeah. are also trying to solve the problem. And uh, we see with the COVID, there is a, a huge behavioral change on how people yeah. purchase clothes and For things. Sure. And also there are a lot of... Uh, uh, brands who close their physical stores mm -hmm. uh, after this. So yeah, I think COVID was probably the first time I ordered clothes online. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's remained a habit uh, since then. So it's definitely yeah. a permanent change. Yeah. It's creating a, a good opportunity. Also, For if sure, they yeah. work uh, good with the online shopper, they will attract with different yeah. kinds of yeah, <laughs> products, sure. which will you, you will naturally go to buy in the store. Right. So right. it's an, also have a huge opportunity of selling people yeah, a lot sure. of items. Let's go back to Vanazur for a minute. Um, so uh, you grew up in Vanazur. Um, I think you started, you were at Fizmath and uh, that sparked a lot of your interest in STEM and tech. When you see all these initiatives and efforts to help boost tech outside of Yerevan in the regions of Armenia, how do you how do you see these efforts? Do you think we're, uh, the community is focusing on the right areas, or um, is there a perspective maybe that's lacking um, that we should focus more on? I will definitely say we need to focus more on because I see there is a, for example, in the Fismat school when I was. Uh, learning. <laughs> uh, there were a lot of uh, talented students and they were like with the bright eyes, uh, deep with the mathematics and the mm -hmm. physics and all of us came to Yerevan, maybe in different countries and nobody stays on Vanadar to develop these kind of some technologies. Right. And I think this is a problem which we see, uh, which I definitely see. And I have little brother and he's, uh, I think... Uh, he started there some armat labs there were some vtc if i'm not mistaken yeah but uh i think that for example like tumo they do a lot of effort and uh in my opinion if there will be a possibility i would love to see them in a lot of places mm -hmm. because they give uh a good fundamental knowledge of starting point students so they can understand what is programming what is 3d modeling what is animation and so on and they can also start to self-learning process and in these times uh, we need only these kind of platforms so we can give the students how this world mm -hmm. is built up and after that we can give opportunity to them to self-learn and to develop uh, by themselves and um, what we can do better, uh, maybe we can open some uh, branches of our uh, bigger like yeah. companies uh, in Gyumri. I know that some founders from Gyumri also open mm -hmm. some branches there. I know Instigate Mobile, now, which calls Zealous, is also have some branches there. Uh, but the potential of the network of the thing yeah. which works in Yerevan, uh, there is a huge need to go and to uh, bring this uh, to regions. Mm -hmm. And 
And also, I know that uh, people from like bigger companies, from Crisp and uh, Pixar, they would love to go and to work from Vanador or from yeah. Diligent. So it will be more a quiet uh, environment. Yeah. And yeah. So uh, th I guess there's two parts, right? There's um, giving young people in the regions an opportunity to learn about tech mm -hmm. and um, get into the tech field. But um, after that stage, if there aren't opportunities to stay, that's basically just a funnel to Yerevan, right? Yeah. Which is not necessarily the desired outcome. People should be free to go wherever they want, of course. But like, if you want to have a lasting impact in those communities, you want the economies of those cities to, mm -hmm. to develop and companies to go there and things like that. Do you think that's something that'll just be a natural thing that comes as there's more talent there? Or like, for example, Instigate's example is really mm -hmm. interesting because interesting uh, instigate didn't wait to have a qa team in gorgas they went and built the qa team right which is so admirable um and it's also so difficult and it's not just difficult to do it's also difficult to justify for a business right mm -hmm. you have to tell your stakeholders that hey i'm gonna go somewhere where there's no talent i'm gonna spend a lot of money and training these people it's probably gonna be like not the best quality for a while, but in six, seven years, we're going to do QA for Disney from this small town mm. in Southern Armenia. It's an amazing story. Um, but we, outside of Instigate, which is, I think is almost like philosophy driven, like driven by like their principle mm -hmm. of wanting to do it. Uh, we haven't really seen other companies doing it. Do you think there's something that needs to be done to incentivize more of more companies to move and do that or do you think it's just something that will be fixed once you have once you break some sort of talent barrier like once you have mm -hmm. this many number of engineers graduating every year or something then companies will just naturally want to go i think at first we need to push these kind of companies to go there because it's not a matter of talents. Uh, for example, I graduated from them and came to Yerevan, and this talent is already in Yerevan right. and developing here something. But if it, there will be possibility, of, for example, uh, there are three main schools on this photon, uh, this Vanadur Fismat school, and also in Yerevan is Shahinian school, which which are which have talent base mm -hmm. and they. Um, teach students who go to Olympiads, for example. Yeah, and it's a huge point of uh, starting point of talents mm -hmm. uh, to understand uh, how there is a potential. But you need to take this student and, uh, for example, teach them some engineering stuff. Mm -hmm. Some uh, You don't need to go only to Armat Labs, but also have some company which you yeah. can go to have some internship. Yeah. But if you don't have this opportunity in Vanadzor, you will come to Yerevan yeah, and yeah. try to get internships in Yerevan. Yeah. So at first, I think we need to push these kind of companies to open some branches. If it will be, maybe it will not be super um, economically wise on their yeah. perspective, but the in, the, yeah, in, in other places we can do. And I see that it worked a long year ago, for example, my parents were studying in Yerevan. Uh, they have both a technical background and they go back to Vanadzor. And when uh, I was much older, I were asking like my parents why you came to Vanadzor. Because when you get older, you also see the difference. But at that time, there were not so much difference there. And they have job there. They have a lot of engineering going on Vanadzor. Right. So right. 
they see the potential of quite uh unnatural <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah yeah i think that's the like saving grace because yerevan I, I like to think of yerevan as a diaspora of other mm. cities right like uh, it's just it's, it's yerevan is nothing but just like a group of people from vanazar gyumri gori skapan sure. and D- our team is also like that yeah, so exactly. we so, have only <laughs> two people from Yerevan and yeah, exactly Yerevan. there you go so like once once you guys um, become more successful um, other companies that are founded by people who weren't born in Yerevan they become successful there's a natural desire amongst those people to want to do something for um, for where they where they grew yeah. up right uh, and even at this point for example if I see that there is a talented people uh, from Vanadzor and I see uh, for example one of our team members is from uh, Instigate Mobile from Vanadzor and we see that okay we can bring this person in our team and we mostly work re- on remote basis and we can go there they come here so we can develop something there yeah. we are pushing as much as possible <laughs> that's awesome yeah i look forward to seeing the verify vanadzor office open one day yeah me too <laughs> yeah. um last question Gagne. um where do you hope to see verify in five years i will say that in five years as i mentioned we want to have some exit Uh, but also at that time we want to develop a technology which will be uh, a thing that bigger brand will say okay we don't have time to uh, develop this and we will buy only <laughs> this company yeah. and uh, integrate it uh, and at the time we want to test the product to see as much as small and medium brands to benefit with our product mm-hmm. and after that to sell it because uh, this is the thing which medium and small brands are lacking like in-house technical and financial resources so we will start with them but also build something huge for uh, brands who will need it in a tech wise and a shopper wise okay i hope in five years we'll do another podcast and we'll celebrate that is it oh thanks <laughs> yeah. a lot thank you so much for coming on today kind appreciate thanks it thanks for having me nice.